This program deals with things of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. Thanks to all our members for making our truth journey a reality. To listen to part two of tonight's interview and all of our interviews, just go to veritasradio.com and click on the subscribe button. You will receive your login immediately. And have you listened to Sanitas Radio yet? Go to sanitasradio.com and find out how every week we will declassify the secrets to health and longevity with a focus on mind, body, and spirit. And speaking of health, it doesn't matter how much organic food you eat, how much you exercise, or how many supplements you take. If the water you're drinking is not the best, then you're back to square one. I'm a big advocate of ionized, clean, and healthy alkaline restructured drinking water. That's loaded with beneficial antioxidants and minerals. Click on the water button on our website and find out. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Tonight's special guest is whistleblower and former World Bank Senior Counsel, Karen Hudis. Right now, on Veritas. Karen Hudis studied law at Yale Law School and economics at the University of Amsterdam. 
She worked in the U.S. Export-Import Bank, the Exim Bank, from 1980 to 1985, and in the legal department of the World Bank from 1986 to 2007. And to learn more about Karen Hudis and her work, visit her website at kahudis.net. And directly from Bethesda, Maryland, I am privileged to welcome whistleblower and former World Bank Senior Counsel, Dr. Karen Hudis. Hello, Dr. Hudis, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Mel. It's my pleasure, and what a time, what a time to have you on. There's a convergence of situations, not only in the United States, but I would say it's, it's worldwide. And first of all, so that the audience knows who you are, just beyond what I read, can you just tell us a little bit more of your background and, and your years at the World Bank and why and what circumstances led to you leaving the World Bank? Yes, I think the thing that makes it easiest to understand um, what my message is and what I'm trying to do is that um, I'm a lawyer and an economist, um, and I think what makes it the easiest to understand is the reason I end up ended up in Europe. I'm an American, um, and I studied at New York University and Yale Law School, but the reason that I ended up studying economics at the University of Amsterdam, and people will be, be able to figure out um, how senior I am by this, is um, I was studying during, you know, the um, Vietnam War era. I was one of the people who was at, um, you know, all of the demonstrations. And when they were saying, love it or leave it, I said, I have to, I have to leave it because it's just um, this war is going against my grain. I was at Woodstock. I was the Woodstock generation. And also, so you can place me in, at Yale Law School, um, I <laughs> was two years behind Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. Uh, my mother um, thought that if I had just spent more time in the library, I, you know, I might have done a little better. But frankly, I don't think that would have been better. I think that would have been infinitely worse. My husband actually went to Yale Law School, but I met him um, after I had left um, and graduated and was working in Washington. But in any event, um, so you you would have to say that um, I speak a couple of languages, not just Dutch, which I speak fluently and English, but I speak as an economist and I speak as a lawyer. But most of all, um, and this is what I learned in the middle of what I was going through, is that um, the most important thing is really not all of this um, study. It's following your heart, following your intuition. And um, I learned how to do that. And so when people were bombarding me with all of this misinformation, I was able, and also because um, one of the very important uh, training that I received was when I was an undergraduate um, at NYU, uh, there was no way to do sports because I was in the middle of Washington Square, um, Greenwich Village. So I learned how to fence and I became ultimately the captain of the NYU fencing team. And my Hungarian fencing coach drilled into me that when you are under attack, that is actually your chance to score. That's what a fencer does. And you also learn to stop thinking and trust 
your instincts because if you're starting to think you're not going to be fast enough to win against your opponent you have to be on the ball you have to be watching what they're doing and the other part of my training that was actually the most important was um, when I was in college I was working part-time as a secretary and I learned how to take shorthand so if I would be in a meeting and somebody was talking I was capturing every single word they were saying and there were times that people were showing me things and telling me I couldn't have the documents and I was just you know, writing them down, transcribing them. That's great. So so those are the skills that I brought. But uh, of the most important skill, I think was, um, well, no, the most important skill is liking people and knowing that people are there to be your help and your ally and your friend. And so anybody that was ever... Um, doing anything that was trying to harm me, I was usually the last one to find that out because I was there just going back to them time and time again, I, you know, um, and a lot of people uh, thought I was absolutely ridiculous for doing that. But it also gave me a chance to document what it was that they were doing. So for instance, and let me get to the very end of where we're going so that people sure. who, who are busy and don't want to stay with us for the whole two hours that we have. And thank you again for making this available. Thank um, you. Where, where we're going is we are going to use law, the world's law, the country's law, the state's law to set everything right. And one of the things that I just found out is that all of the states in the United States have been asking for a constitutional convention. The state legislatures have been asking for it. And under the U.S. Constitution, after two-thirds of the states do that, there is going to be a constitutional convention. It says the Congress shall call a constitutional convention. The Congress hasn't done its duty. It's been out to lunch. And that does not prevent the American people from having a constitutional convention. We can have it. If the U.S. Congress is derelict in its duty, we will just have a constitutional convention without them having called it. Because that's what's what we're entitled to. The American people are allowed to fire their government if their government is non-responsive. And we can fire our Congress. If they do not deliver a constitutional convention, we will have one without them. And they'll have to figure out what that means for themselves. What it is, is we, the people, are the ones that are entitled to have our government. And what we have right now is we have 50 states that are governing us. It's not that we are going to be in chaos. Quite the opposite. What's been going on is that the states have not been allowed to issue bonds and neither have the municipalities because of this, this problem, this headroom problem. So one of the things I did just before the annual meeting of the World Bank and the IMF, which just took place um, a couple of days ago, was I went to the National Governors Association and I went into the office that represents all of the treasurers of the states. And I said, you know, this problem that we're having, that you are not allowed to issue bonds to finance the state's um, budgetary needs, this has got to end. We are going to fix this problem. And um, I, had, I had gone there at the request of the um, governor, sorry, the county executive administrators association, because my county 
executive, Ike Leggett, I had been to his office and I had spoken to one of his employees who used to work at the National Governors Association, and she had told me that it would be very helpful to get that group on board with what we are doing. And what we are doing is really very simple. We are governing the country, and those institutions that are broken are going to be fixed. So when when I, I you know, I was telling you, I had just um, had a radio program, which I had to interrupt because the um, the person who was interviewing me had a bee in his bonnet. He said, we are stuck with a broken government. And I said, I beg your pardon, but the the framers of our Constitution anticipated this problem and we are not stuck. And we don't have to be stuck. Exactly. And, and I was stuck in that interview with that guy. And finally, I lost my patience. And, <laughs> you know, we interrupted the conversation. And I don't think that's going to be broadcast. And you are here now. And I'm here now. And, and so we are going to systematically look at where we are. And one of the one of the things that I was looking at as well, um, it's it's um, it's really very um dramatic where we are but it's beautiful it's not anything to lose um hope with because the world bank is a knowledge bank and one of the one of the um the pieces of knowledge that we the people have behind us now is um a very good tool from political science what it does um and i i found out about it in 2004 uh there's a man named yasek kugler who was um, the chairman of Claremont University's uh, political science department. And he was also the chair, I forget the name of that political science group, but the political scientists know how to prevent world wars. If you take certain, um, it, it's like, think of um, you know a flight simulator where it, it gives a very accurate, representation of what it's like to be behind the cockpit of a, of a plane with the power of modern computers you can you can do a simulation of the world political system provided people understand it and can put that information into the model so what i did was i modeled rule of law at the world bank and the world bank is a very special place because it's a microcosm of the entire world and I didn't realize it at the time. It was in 2004, but I modeled rule of law at the World Bank. And at that same moment, Yasek Kugler had modeled world politics and peace transitions. And he was talking about how to um, transition from a system where the United States is the dominant force in the world to a system which is multipolar and where the East the economies in the East have grown. And what had happened in the past was the only way to have a transition was to have a world war. And what Yasek Kugler's model showed was that there was a way to slowly and gradually transition commensurate with the economic strength of the growing economies. And that was what he was trying to bring to the World Bank. And he brought it to different places. And I was one of the people who, who got it, who understood what that model represented. And I tried to get everyone to understand this. And that's what I have been doing now since he did that in 2004 until now. And I've largely succeeded. But I have not been able to let the people who need to know this in on what 
all of the countries know, because it turns out that the what we call the mainstream media, that's, you know, the regular newscasts and the regular uh, newspapers, they are all owned by a conglomerate that is dominating the capital markets of the world. And they do not want people to know this. And so they have been um, censoring. There's been a huge cover up. And this cover up is now um, dissipating because of the strength of the Internet and because of the strength of the alternate media. But don't you think that the mediaopoly is now somewhat trying to take over the Internet as well? Yes. And that is why it's very, very important for us to strike while we still can. And when I say to strike, I, I mean this in terms of politically. I mean this in terms of awareness. I mean this in terms of information. And a lot of people talk about waking up their neighbor. These are people who didn't know that the mainstream media had been co-opted. They believed everything they were told. And we can reach out to these people and let them know that, that they've been duped. So this is the moment. And, and fortunately, um, I've been working with all of these whistleblowers and all of these countries, um, because just think about it. The World Bank has people inside the organization, but some of these people actually represent their governments. They're not um, just regular um, Joe Blows, like me. I'm, I'm just somebody who happened to have studied at these places. I'm not anybody that's been um, given a mission. I have nobody but myself. You know, there's nobody home here but, my, but us chickens. And many people couldn't understand that until finally they saw the chronology of what it was that I had been doing. And they realized that I was just trying to represent the institutional interest of the World Bank. I was just their lawyer. I was nothing else but that. And as soon as they understood that, they started using me to send messages. And that's what I am. I'm, have you, I don't know if, if um, you've ever seen the Lucille Ball show where there's one program where she's an operator, a telephone operator, and she's trying to take, you know, in the old-fashioned switchboard where you wear a headset, and there are these funny um, little plugs that you put in with lines attached. I remember, to of course. Okay, I'm, that's who I am. I'm Lucille Ball in the middle of the world's telephone network. <laughs> that's good. And, and those lines are all tangled up. And if anybody wants proof of that, just if, just go to one website, go to YouTube, and just just type your name, and you'll see that uh, you know on a daily basis you're just going out there to share information. But you mentioned something very interesting: the model that you created and the the model that Kugler created. I'm sure you you were facing a, a, a strong opposing force, but then I think of the latest uh, Syria. Incident in which we almost, I, I believe this could have been World War III, the beginnings of World War III. What really prevented this from happening? Was it really Russia or was there a bigger force behind it? It was a lot, a lot going on. But the main thing that happened is that people showed that they were not duped anymore. There were enough of them that showed that they weren't going to fall for that same old, same old. That's the main thing. And don't forget, it was the UK Parliament that started out by saying, no way. And that same institution, the UK Parliament, has been also the pivot point for the rule of law. Because I went to the Serious Fraud Office in 2010, 
and I met with the Serious Fraud Office, and the Serious Fraud Office called up the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. This. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.